guys. Welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm really excited about today's guest, Alea Harris. And she's, I mean, she's got a huge brand. She's an influencer, thought leader, and she is going to talk to us about your story brand. She's going to talk about the power of storytelling, the hero's journey, which is really interesting archetype for, for storytelling and how to build your personal brand over your competition. So Alea, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being here. Yeah, and I love having guests such as yourself, and especially in today's day of the importance of building a personal brand, kind of talk about your story your and how you got started, what you do, and so on. Awesome. So I am several things. I'm a bioenergetic business consultant. I'm an award-winning international speaker, and I am a retreat host. <laughs> and over the years, it's been a, a little bit of a, a not, not a straight path. It's been a roundabout journey from starting off in marketing and then becoming a private chef and traveling all around the world with my clients to then working as a vendor partner for Google and then uh, turning back to my parent company and being the head of marketing for North America and then being laid off. And then starting as an entrepreneur again. So it's ups, downs, and all arounds. But my background allows me to be able to work with a wide variety of folks, from entrepreneurs to corporate individuals. I have a unique background that I understand what burnout feels like. I understand what it's like when you can't figure out your own story. I understand what it's like when you don't know what the next step on your journey is. And so that's a lot of what I use to help people understand who they are, where they're going, and how to stand out from the competition. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love how you describe, you know, the classic hero's journey and kind of talk about this idea of um, basically this uh, breakout from the sea of sameness with the power of storytelling and, you know, just your journey of ups and downs kind of weave that into it. So break out of the sea of sameness with the power of storytelling is one of my uh, stage topics as a, as a speaker, and it centers around you needing to differentiate yourself. And so when you're in the sea of sameness, you're like, kind of like everybody else, you're just floating around in there and you're like, oh, but I don't want to be in here. But how do you tell one water droplet in the ocean from the next? That's where you're at. And if you're trying to be an entrepreneur, you're trying to build a brand, even if you're trying to raise the ranks at your job or in corporate, you can't be the same little water droplet as the next little water droplet. <laughs> and there's also, there's kind of like baselines, right? So you can only be so good at your job that will only take you so far. So there's lots of great physicians, right? But at a certain point in time, you, you hit a level of diminishing returns on just being the best, right? That's when you need to start branding yourself as something else. You're, I'm the best. That's why I'm even talking to you. But there's of the 10 other people who are also the best, what else you got, right? Why would I want to come to you to have you speak at this huge conference? Or why would I want to come to you if you're trying to launch your own entrepreneur brand as a doctor? So what happens often is what we do is it, we're in this sea of sameness and we're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do this cool new novel thing. I'm going to make up something totally ridiculous. Say you're a surgeon and you're like, I'm going to have my own brand of scalpels. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this fancy scalpel. All my scalpels will be, I don't know, pink, 
right? And so you're like, that'll be my cool new thing. And I'm sure that there's some medical reason that you come up with why all the scalpels need to be pink. And you become the pink scalpel surgeon. Well, <laughs> that's something really easy to replicate. Then somebody else goes, oh, I like that. I want to be a pink scalpel surgeon. Oh, I like that. And then all of a sudden now in operating rooms across America, we only use pink scalpels. What that does is that makes you, 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 you are starting to pull away, starting to, to differentiate your water droplet from the others. But then all of a sudden, everybody else is using pink scalpel. So now you're back in the sea of sameness. And it's not a sea then at that point in time. You realize that this is cyclical. You do a little bit better than somebody else does better. Then they do a little bit, you do a little bit better than somebody else does better. Then you try to do different and they take your different. And it's a cycle over and over and over. In order to get out of that cycle, you need to realize that what actually is different that no one can take away from you is your story. And that, Christopher, is where the hero's journey comes in. Because you have to understand what your hero's journey has been and how it's made you unique up until this point. Because you can't steal that. It's not a pink scalpel. Your life experience, your lived experience, the lessons that you have are theft-proof. And that's what allows you to be differentiated from everybody, from everybody else. The hero's journey, for those of you, dear listeners, who don't know, is a, a journey that is not something that's been made up. There's not some guy, some old guy who sat with an old book and was like, this is what the hero journey is. Actually, it was an old guy who sat with a book, but he paid attention and wrote down everybody else's experiences. He didn't make it up. And that old guy, his name is Joseph Campbell. And he went around and did basically an anthropological study across distance and across cultures of how people communicated, how people told stories, how people told histories. And they all followed the same pattern, which we now know as the hero's journey. You have a hero who starts off, everything is, do, 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 do. I'm good, I'm fine, I'm good. And then something happens. Whoa. And it shakes them off. And then they're like, ooh, but I have to change now what I'm doing. I have to move forward from here, but I don't want to. I need some help. They meet a guy. We call them the guide or the mentor. They meet a guy. The guide has a plan. That plan takes them through the trials and tribulations that they need to overcome because of whatever happened. And they're learning and they're growing in the process. And then they come back into a sense of normalcy, better, changed, reformed, better, all of those lovely things. Yeah? Yeah. That's the hero's journey. Yeah. So if you know your own hero's journey and you can talk about it to others, then all of a sudden people are paying more attention. You're standing out on something that is solid and you're no longer participating in that cycle. Yeah. Because you brought up so many interesting points because you're talking about, you, you know, your skill set, your particular skill set, you know, in your profession or whatever, you know, you can get so much better each year, but kind of, you know, you're going to, it's like, um, like Sanjay Gupta or Dr. Phil or Deepak, like, you know, these, they know how to create a story and a brand. Um, whereas, you know, there are probably hundreds of thousands of physicians with a similar skill set, but, you know, there's only one Sanjay or one Dr. Phil, which is really Dr. Phil's brand is so strong. Dr. Phil has his Juris doctorate. Dr. Phil is not a therapist or a physician. <laughs> his brand is so strong that we are letting him therapize an entire country for over a decade because he's a lawyer. Right? <laughs> now that, that is a strong brand. <laughs> which is 
quite interesting because, you know, when I equate Dr. Phil, I'm always thinking clinical psychologist, psychiatrist, therapist. <laughs> Dr. Uh, Phil is a lawyer. <laughs> he is not a psychologist. He is not a therapist. That, but but that's, that goes exactly to the point you were saying. Yeah. His but brand is super strong. <laughs> interesting because Wiki, well, Google Wikipedia says he holds a doctorate in clinical psychology, though he ceased renewing his license in 2006. So. <laughs> but that's not how he started. So he, when he started, I don't think he had that degree in clinical psychology. I'm gonna, now I want to look it up. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, let's see here. Because his early career and then he's, um, oh, see, McGraw, Trout Consulting, CSI. Interesting. Early education. He, then he got an MA in experimental. Then he got a doctor of clinical psychology. So it looks like I don't see anything. I, oh, I could have sworn this man was a lawyer. <laughs> I could have sworn this man was a lawyer. Yeah. Well, then I stand corrected. <laughs> I stand totally corrected. I'm so sorry for um, harming you, Dr. Phil. Oh, maybe this is where I got it from. It says, before blazing his career in television, Dr. McGraw founded Courtroom Sciences, Inc., a groundbreaking trial science firm, bringing his expertise, including that of forensic psychology, to the high-octane litigation area. Interesting. So that's why I thought he was a lawyer. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, Dr. Um, Phil, I've maligned you. I'm so sorry, Dr. Phil. Yeah. It's, uh, it's quite interesting. If you're listening to this, bring me on your show and we'll talk all about it. It was quite interesting because, uh, you know, because, you know, in physicians, like physician coaching and, you know, there was like in the beginning, it was like physician coaching and then it was like real estate and like all, and it basically became super saturated. So this idea of the hero's journey, that was um, interesting. But then you also talk about vanquish the villains on your entrepreneur hero's journey and what's stopping you from reaching your business happily ever after. Mm-hmm. So when you're on that hero's journey. So in the traditional hero's journey, there are 13 steps. There's a lot of steps. But that means that there's a lot of um, places to go wrong, right? There's a lot of things that stop you as you're moving forward on, on that path. So, and most of them with love come <laughs> from you. Right. So like, yeah, there are times like some, when something happens in your life that you know, often that it could come from you, but often something external, even if it's like a disease or an illness, it's not like you were like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to the illness store and buy this illness. You know what I mean? It's something that happens. So along the way, after that inciting incident, the rest of it is kind of on you. It's around your limiting beliefs, the things that the the movement that you do or do not take forward, the advice that you do or do not seek, the exercises, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, that you do or do not complete. It's those types of things that hold you back. And a lot of the times when we're um, on our hero's journey, there's four main roles that we can fill. We could be the hero, we could be the victim, we could be the villain, or we could be the guide on a hero's journey. The hero is the one who's moving forward, going through transformation, doing all the hard stuff. They don't necessarily know what the heck they're doing, but they figure it out and they have help along the way. The victim's role in a hero's journey is only to make the hero look good. Like think of the classic like damsel in distress, right? The whole story is about the knight in shining armor going through all these things on his way to save the damsel. He saves the damsel from the tower, bada bing, bada boom, story's over. 
right? Nothing. All she is is saved. She's the same person who never, you know, tried to figure out how to climb down herself this whole time. You know what I mean? Like yeah. same damsel. There's no transformation that happens there. That's a victim. A victim life is happening to you and you're powerless to do anything against it. The villain is the opposite of the victim. The villain takes pleasure in being bad and <laughs> tormenting the hero, but they also don't experience a transformation. They were bad in the beginning. They maybe see the error of their ways towards the end. Maybe they don't, but it's not really. They're, they're just the cause of the hero's pain. The story is still about the hero. And then the guide is what I like to think of as a, a, a previous hero, someone who's been there, done that, and is here to help you on your journey. The goal for me of all heroes is to become guides. Yeah. In your hero's journey, one of the biggest pitfalls that you need to avoid is all of those limiting beliefs, limiting characteristics, turning you from a hero into a victim. Because if you become a victim, you're just in the tower. Oh, whoa, is me. Whoa, to me. Hey, that's about all you got. You're not saving anything. You're not progressing. You're not moving forward. Life will just continue to be the same bad or will get worse because as the victim, you have given up control of your story to someone else. The challenge is when you transfer yourself from the hero to the victim role, there's no guarantee that there's a knight in shining armor coming to save you. So you could just be there. I know victims who have been victims for 30 years. Right. And no one's coming to save them. We often need to do the work or be open enough to hearing and getting feedback from people to translate from being that victim back into our own hero again, which happens when you realize that you have a purpose, that you have the ability to move, even if the steps are small and you can see a vision at the end. You have a reason for being without moving. And then you see the goal of what moving will get you. And that's so exciting and enticing that you get yourself back into that hero role. Yeah. The other question is, uh, and I love this, every hero has got, you know, villains, he's got a slay. And so, what, you know, they create a story brand. We'll talk about you know, you're going to talk about the best ways to build a radically authentic story and stand out and kind of talk about this um, from vision to victory, sparking your five-year strategic plans growth using bioenergetics. I've, I've heard that term, but I've never used, heard it used in this context. So what does that mean? So bioenergetics is the study, detection, and correction of the energy systems that surround and permeate your physical body. So it's not when we're, we're talking about things you cannot see and I'm talking to physicians. So <laughs> not your body. This is, this is more metaphysical than physical. Right. Yeah. So, but if I was talking to any physicians that have any background in like traditional Chinese medicine, then you probably will pick up on this more easily. When you think of energy systems and energy fields and energy flow, the most accessible thing for most people is thinking of your meridian system in traditional Chinese medicine. And you go and you do acupuncture, for example, right? They're activating certain points in your in different meridians in your body in order to get energy to flow from that is that is stuck to continue to flow to help reduce disease, depression, anxiety, all of all of the things that are causing you harm in 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 your life. Bioenergetics is a multimodal approach to 
energy alignment. So it could include, the correction piece could include uh, acupuncture, um, Reiki energy healing, a whole bunch of other modalities, but it's really um, about the detection piece that I find is the most interesting. So bioenergetics, if you're using a system called the Nest Bioenergetics Health System, you actually uses a software program to be able to tell where you are on and where you're off in your energy. Um, and that saves at least clients that work with me sometimes days, weeks, months, years of trying to figure it out on their own, or it gives them the validation like, yeah, actually what you're seeing is correct, right? Like you are feeling this thing that more allopathic doctors have said, oh no, it's just in your head. And by the way, if you are a physician out there, can I just do a plea? Please stop telling people that. <laughs> Please stop telling people it's in their head. Maybe it is, but most of the time, it's there's something real that they are, that they are feeling. So then they all they do is they leave your office and they go somewhere else to try to figure out what that thing is. So when we're using bioenergetics, the thought is that if your energy is off, you are off, which means you are off in your story. Often when people come to me for bioenergetic business consulting, their company or themselves are blocked. So if you think of a clogged artery, they are about to have a heart attack or a stroke, right? Because the energy is not flowing properly. And so what we do is we rectify that so they can get out of victimhood, get out of villainhood, because you can turn you can turn into any of the roles, right? So villains also are the ones who go and attack themselves and others. So it depends on if you're not on your on your correct hero's path, there's a lot of wonky things that can go wrong. And when you are trying to do strategic planning, like you brought up, and you're doing it from a place of you're not aligned, you don't know what the heck is going on, you're going to create a strategic plan that nobody wants. Or you're going to say, I am strategic planning because I am a big, bad business owner. And these are all of the business word gobbledygook that I've been told to use. <laughs> and yeah. you start throwing like MBA word, word salad at at the strategic plan. You end up with this like 70 page long document that means absolutely nothing. It took you months and months to put together with you and your team and you're never going to use it again. Instead, if you are in alignment, a good strategic plan is no more than 10 pages, right? And you have your, your financials in there. You have the step-by-step -step of where to go, but you also are including it in a story. You're using the hero's journey. Where we are, where are we now? What is calling us into action? What is that thing that we cannot ignore that is making us realize we have to move from here? What is that guiding light that is pulling us forward that no matter what, we are going to save this damsel because we love her so much, right? What does that look like? Tell the strategic plan in a story, a story that everybody knows. And then in your meetings, you go back and you say, well, it's the end of the first quarter. It seems like we finally get to turn on the page to page two in the story because we have conquered this first step that we put together, right? That's how you do strategic planning that gets everybody on board, your team, you, and actually something that you use as opposed to the MBA gobbledygook that is beautiful because it has graphs and they're color-coded and on brand, but they're not actually going to help you make money five years from now. Yeah. Interesting. I, I like this idea of bioenergetics. Um, and do people utilize bioenergetics? Is that through a coach? I know you talked about some uh, modalities, but uh, 
sounds like kind of uh, the energies and kind of what you're focusing on and your vibrational levels. Is that fair? So there are bioenergetic wellness practitioners or health practitioners, and that's I have a certification in that, but then there's also for the correction piece, it depends on, you know, what you choose. You can use energetically charged water droplets, like in pharmaceuticals. You could go and get Reiki energy healing. You could really go deep into a hypnotherapy breathwork practice. You could meditate. If you can meditate, a lot of people struggle with that as the first step. It's what everyone says, oh, you go meditate. And then they're sitting there and they're doing the thing. They're sitting there with their eyes closed. But really, they're like trying to plan out their fantasy football league in their head. Like they're not really there meditating, right? Yeah. Um, Even though meditation is fabulous. So often um, I start people not at straight meditation, but maybe with chantings. Gives your brain something to focus on instead of trying to empty your mind, which is probably one of the most difficult things to do all of those things what done individually or collectively in a group setting with you and your team can help you gain greater awareness and gain greater alignment so that you're building your strategic plans your stories your brand from a place of true authenticity rather than from all the other stuff, all the, oh, I should do this, or I judge myself from doing that, or this person thinks that, I don't know if it's right, I'm just following this person, because that's what they, they seem like they know what they're doing. I really don't, even though I seem like I do, right? Yeah. All of that stuff goes away, so you get down into the core of who you are, and then you can move forward with a plan that's based on a stronger foundation. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the next kind of question is... Um, this question of how to stand out for the competition, you know, why should someone choose you over your competition and kind of best ways to build a radically authentic story? So um, if you haven't read the book, uh, Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller, I highly recommend it. Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller takes the steps from Joseph Campbell that I mentioned before and puts it into a marketing book. (laughs) and it simplifies it a little bit. And so that's a great place to start if you're wanting to build your differentiation story because it takes you through the seven steps of the story brand SB7 framework, which you start off with, I have a character who's not you, it's your client, your customer, and they have something they want real bad. They want it real bad, but they have a problem that's getting in the way. And that problem, they understand the problem, they feel the problem in their heart, and they have this sense of justice, a sense of right and wrong around this this. (laughs) problem. They're like, I don't know how to solve this problem. So they need a guide. And that guide gives them a plan, a three-step plan to action. And that plan results in success or failure for them. And if you construct your story using that framework, it's clearer to understand. It doesn't go back certain, like, you know, you've heard those or read those websites or seen those people well, this company started back in 1925 with my great-grandfather. And by the time they finished the word great-grandfather, I'm already asleep. I'm just not, I'm not listening. I don't care. When you structure your business communications and messaging in the form of a story, like in the story brand framework, then people are paying attention. They can understand what you're saying and they understand why you're different because the problem you solve it is unique. The plan that you bring forward for them is unique. And you're able to communicate how you stand out from 
everybody else, truthfully, by just being clearer than everybody else will get you 85% of the way there. And then use the using the power of story or narrative based marketing will help you get the rest of the way. Interesting. How can people contact you, follow you, um, reach out to you, etc.? Absolutely. So you can, uh, my website, my, my primary website where you can get to all the other websites is aleahharris.com, A-L-E-Y-A-H-A-R-R-I-S.com. And then you can also find me on Instagram and um, LinkedIn at the same, same, Alea Harris. Yeah. And for all the audience out there, let's thank Alea for coming on. Interesting conversation. Uh, all of our resources will be in the links and show notes. And thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Thanks for having me.